Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Stanton Jack is definitely one of them. Um, and getting back yeah, to those ProSan members, they're a huge wealth of knowledge and they're uh, they're celebrities in their own rights because they're just, they're amazing rods, those guys. Locally, I know we have a really amazing fly tire here in Merritt, uh, John Kent. Yeah, he's got some amazing, he uh, designed the pumpkin head leech, if that helps. Um, yeah, we have, and that's the thing is we have so many characters in town here. That was Richard Wilby on the magic behind the people of Merritt, B.C. Centerlining, Steelhead, and Stillwater today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. We've got a new listener Q&A segment we're kicking off on Instagram. Um, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash QA. That's wetflyswing.com slash Q, the letter Q and the letter A. QA for a chance to uh, get your question read on an upcoming podcast and win a free Wet Fly Swing t-shirt or other swag. We're going to be giving this away. We're, we're doing some good stuff. We've got, uh, we've got some big plans this year with our uh, series of new shirts as well. So check it out right now and also get your question answered from one of our expert guests on this podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Trestle, who you know from their game-changing telescopic fly rod roof rack systems. But did you also know that Trestle just released the only universal bike rack system designed exclusively for the angler and outdoorsman? You can check out this new universal rack system at wetflyswing.com Trestle right now to see their full line of gear-carrying products and the Artist Series apparel. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. Trestle, live your pursuit. Richard Wilby shares his journey of creating a fly reel company and a fishing gear company all uh, at the same time here. We dig into it with Richard today. He shares his lineup of reels, what it's like living in Merritt, BC and the rich still waters of the area around uh, this part of the world. And we find out which is the perfect Stillwater reel and, uh, and we're going to dig into it today with Richard. You know, I consider BC kind of like my brother from another mother. Here we go. Richard will be from ForgedFlyFishing.com. How you doing, Richard? Good, Dave. How's it going there? Not too bad. Not too bad. Good to uh, good to have you on the show today. We're going to talk. I always love talking about gear. That's one of those things I think, I'm not sure if it's, it's probably not just fly fishermen, but it just seems like the gear is something that everybody loves. So you have a company, you have a couple companies, but you make some pretty awesome reels and we're going to talk about that and everything you have going. And you're up in like Stillwater country. I think you're in BC. That's right. Yeah. We're in uh, Merritt here in BC. Oh yeah. In Merritt. Yeah. You're in Merritt. Okay. So yeah, I want to hear about the story, how you come to uh, have a real company here, but talk about how you first got into fly fishing. How'd it start for you? And then we'll jump into the reels. Oh man. Well, I was living on the Couchin River at about six years old. My parents were working at the uh, Couchin River Bible Camp out there. So I kind of started fly fishing from that age. And from there, it just kind of snowballed where my dad was a big fisherman, but more into the gear. I enjoyed fly fishing more. So we stuck to our side for years and years. And that's kind of how I really got into it and have been heavily into it, tying flies and everything with it since then. Um, I guess the how I got into the whole business aspect of it was I kind of realized early on just how expensive everything was mainly the reels kind of the, the essentials for fly fishing that way and uh, my dad and i had always talked about one day having some sort of fishing company because we enjoyed it so much we didn't know what fast that would be in but that went really well but uh, unfortunately he passed away and uh it was years later that again once again having that feeling of like wow everything is so expensive that kind of had all these ideas right around my head and i kind of thought well wouldn't it be interesting just to try something? So after a couple, a year, half, maybe two years worth of uh, designing and then prototypes and kind of trying to figure out the best way to do it, we came out with our very first reel where I told myself, like, I'd really want to do this. And if this works out, then I'll really pursue it. Um, and if it doesn't, it'll be one of those that at least I tried and gave it my best. And uh, so we tried our first reel. It was called the Requiem. Uh, I named that in remembrance of dad. And uh, it was a very skeletal, very light fly reel that had a really nice forward momentum design to it. And uh, 
we launched it and we kind of uh, in Victoria, British Columbia, where we were living at the time and said, let's, let's give this a shot. So we did. And we were kind of surprised how quick everybody really liked the design, but also liked the price point that they realized that it was the same quality, say, as something in the $250, $300 region, but was for much less hmm. and design here. And it, it quickly took off from there. And I went, okay, that's, let's give this a shot. So we did that for a while. And then we brought out our saltwater slash spay reel uh, not soon after. And that did really well with it just being a great place around Victoria to have. Mm. What's that one called? Well, that one at the time was called the Royale. Uh, we have now upgraded it to be called the Anthem. It's a much larger design. It has a nice valley in the spool, so you can have a lot more line capacity with the backing. No porting on the back really gives it a solid feel, but it's lightweight. The drag is uh, all carbon fiber. Just a really, really phenomenal saltwater slash spay reel. And uh, then we went on to have a center pin, and that worked well. And we're going to get back into it soon, hopefully, if everything goes well, to get back into the mooching reel aspect as well. How is mooching different from center pin, or is that the same thing? Picture a bulkier version of a center pin, but it has a drag, um, meant for ocean fishing, kind of large downrigger type reel, heavier, bigger, just the beefiest of all reels. But the way we design it and everything is just very similar to how we do the fly reel. So it was a natural step to do. And uh, it, I kind of, I feel that you just cover all bases that if you have that. So. Gotcha. Okay. And then, and do you guys have, so you don't have a, I was thinking a, a click and Paul type reel. Do you have one of those? No, we don't right now. Good. Okay. So you got the big, uh, you know, basically the big reels, the big stuff. And then you got, uh, and what would you have for like, if somebody was coming for, you know, is there a specific still water type reel or still water? Does it matter what you get for still water? Well, we have one that we designed specifically for that. That's our Invictus fly reel. It's almost like a smaller version, say, of the Anthem, where it has that same drag system, that same value in the spool, so you get a lot of line capacity, but um, goes all the way down to a size 3-4, all the way up to a 7-8, so it accommodates all the different sizes, and uh, that's been very successful, especially in the region where I am now. Uh, people are really loving the Invictus here, that you can use it just for simple uh, chronomet fishing, or if you want to use it for something bigger that needs more line capacity. Awesome. So, okay, so that's the Invictus. And then, and we'll probably talk a little more about Stillwater as we go. But um, so how has that been? I mean, what's that process been like where you've kind of, you know, basically started a real company? For somebody who's never done that, was that a easy thing to do? How do you even, it seems like, like, where do you even start, right? Like, how do you know where to go? Did you have experience in sourcing products uh, and all that stuff? Um, I'll admit it is not easy. It's incredibly difficult, to be honest with you. I learned as I went, really one of those where I was surrounded by a lot of fisher type people uh, that could really help with, you know, points for design or things that they want to see, things like that. But when it came to sourcing, no, it really was a uh, hit the ground running and hopefully you're doing it right kind of thing. And it, it really did take a long time, uh, an easy couple of years just to get a good foothold of proper manufacturers things like that. So no, it, I, to be honest, I think I lucked out early on at just how good we went with that. Cause no, it's very, very difficult. The world's full of places that you could source from, but mm. no, we, we <laughs> kind of lucked out at first. And then over time, as you've pinpoint things that need to be strengthened and such, the people that can really do those the best, they present themselves. And here we are today, still using the same people. Gotcha. And, and what is the, I'm looking on Instagram, there's a, the three posts ago, you had a reel, looks really cool. It's like solid on the back side of it. What is that one? That's that Anthem. That's that saltwater safe uh, spay reel. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sweet looking. So you still have that? Uh, we still have that right now. Yeah. That's our current spay reel. Okay. God. Yeah. That's great, man. That's, that looks like, I love that. Where does that, you know, where do you, when you're looking at this stuff, how much control do you have over kind of the way it looks is there a lot you can do about you know like with that reel for example let's take it actually when i see it your reels in your website i don't see the back oh no I, i'm looking at the royal sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up the right one so right that's the, the one before yeah yeah the anthem so the anthem has the solid back that's right the anthem has the solid back and it's available which some people have taken at places you can get things engraved and such on the back and we did it that way it made the reel a tiny bit heavier 
but we thought for that ability to personalize it a bit more for yourself, it was worth it. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. And uh, do you have control, like when you're, how much control, like over the tweaks on the reel? Is that something that, you know, uh, I always think like, okay, what's, how do you improve a reel, right? Or is it more like on just design or look or how does that look for you guys? No, great question, actually. Um, I'm pretty happy to say that I have complete control over every aspect of how the reel works, looks, sounds. The colors are one thing where that's probably the most difficult part, actually, is the color just doing because we don't make these super large batches. If we're doing a special color, let's say for a, a special edition for one of the fly shops here in BC or such, the color might tend to be just a shade different the next time we do that special color uh, just because it is small batches like that. Yeah, we're not a huge company. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that's actually the hardest part is just getting maybe the color right. But Oh, really? No, we, we do special things like even just talking about sound. We become known that people say like, yeah, like when, you, when a fish takes off, you definitely get that real sound, but it is a tad quieter. And then when you retrieve, it's silent. And uh, that was just one of those things that we kind of came up with going, well, when I designed it where I fish, seals were a big problem or loons were a big problem. And they've learned that when they hear that sound, it's dinner time. So I kind of thought, well, let's let's uh, give the fishermen an edge this time and maybe not have quite as loud a sound so that it, they don't come and steal the fish. And that's actually turned out once people realize that it's turned out to be quite a successful uh, feature. So you're talking about the uh, sound. So you have some reels that have no sound versus some reels with a, a lot of uh, sound. Uh, any reel with a drag system, yeah, it has a sound like that zzz when it goes out. Uh, but when you retrieve, that way there's no sound coming in. Oh, right. So you still get nostalgic fly reel sound when you're playing a fish, but it's not constant the whole time. That draws a lot of attention from seals. and. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah just the reeling. So when you reel up, yeah, there's, it's quiet. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, perfect. So who are, you know, and just looking at, you know, you guys are up in Merritt. So now Merritt, you guys must have some pretty good, do you have some trophy like uh, Kamloops? Is that near the, is that considered, would you have Kamloops style? That's not far away, right? Well, absolutely. That's part of our region, which is region three here. And they're only about 45 minutes away. If you hear cows in the background or things like that, we are on a working cattle ranch as we speak. So just if you hear those weird sounds, that's what you're hearing. That's right. And is this your cattle ranch? Uh, it's my sister's uh, ranch here. They do Black Angus cattle, and that's where we've set up is on the ranch here. Oh, wow. And so this is Black Angus, so they do actually like beef beef cows? That's right, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. How many cow? How many head are out there? Oh, good question. Maybe about 100 right now. And how many acres? How many acres is the property? Oh, 350. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's big. Oh, it's beautiful. Like, we're close to Kamloops, which it has a million beautiful lakes there close to Merritt, we're in Merritt, where anywhere I can drive 10 minutes and hit an amazing lake. Yeah, just in a really incredible part of BC that when I lived in Kamloops when I was a lot younger, I, I, uh, I took advantage of it, but now that I'm older, I'm like, wow, I should have done a lot more because I had no idea that such amazing places were just so close and so accessible, boat, anything. It's very, very easy here. Are there some like giant, where would you go to find giant Kamloops rainbows? Are they everywhere or is that something where you got to know where to go? A uh, little bit of both. Uh, sometimes you can get lucky because anywhere you go here, you're going to catch, there could be giants everywhere around here. There's a couple lakes, let's say Corbett Lake, which is just up the hill from. Yeah, Corbett. Yeah, that one there. I know that they've introduced up to 10 bound rainbows uh, stocked in the lake. So that's fabulous. If you want to go wild, I mean, you go to Kamloops. My personal favorite is Kanaf Lake, which is up near uh, Sun Peaks, the, the resort there. How do you spell that, Kanaf? Uh, K-N-O-U-F-F. Uh, it's otherwise known as Sullivan Lake. Oh, Sullivan, okay. And uh, I mean, around Kamloops, there's Roche Lake. These are all lakes that have resorts on them. Uh, it's super easy to launch your boat, but most of the lakes around here, I haven't found difficulty in launching anything. And they could be small, they could be big lakes. Yeah, there's just, it's crazy how good it is here. Roy. Yeah. What's your, what's your not to go on size and everything, but have you got into some pretty nice rainbows, you know, over your time? I've gone into some really, really nice ones. <laughs> not a ton of the size. I think right now five, six pounds is kind of my max. 
which is still incredible. But yeah, um, I look enviously at a lot of anglers here that are constantly pulling in. Yeah, like I said, up to ten pounds. Up to ten pounders, right? Yeah, you're in a you're in one of those meccas. Yeah, I mean, and I we're gonna be heading up. Well, I guess hopefully hopefully heading up there soon. But it seems like there's so many places to go. That's always the challenge. We you know, I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, we had Brian Chan on a while back and he talked about, you know, kind of did a little synopsis of the area, but it sounds like, is that how it feels to you? There's just so many places you don't know where to go. Oh, it's, it's a funny <laughs> way of looking at it where if there were a few places you could easily plan a trip, but now you, I mean, throw a dart at a, at a map and plan it that way. That's your easiest way to do it. There's just so much here that, uh, yeah, good luck getting to it all. And, um, no, I mean, it's a, it's a great problem to have. Let's that way yeah so and you, you have a like a, a john boat what type of boat do you run there i went from a john boat i actually went from that to a company in langley they produced this inflatable boat called Swellfish. it's about a 12 and a half i got the 12 and a half version it's really tailored for fishing rather than just regular boating so it really comes with a lot of accessories and and fun bells and whistles and i've been really really liking that just for the stability is it made for lakes or made for all sorts of things? All sorts. The larger versions are great for the ocean. Oh, wow. But I like mine because, yeah, it's not terribly wide. Just fantastic and really, really fantastic quality. So I definitely talked with them after I met them at a trade show. What boat do you have? The Swellfish 12 and a half foot. Oh, 12, it's Swellfish Classic 12 and a half. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a basically totally. It's just a... Uh, I mean, it's similar. Well, it's similar size to a, a nice John boat, right? You said 12 feet. Yeah, that's right. Just, I mean, the carrying capacity is, is like 2000 pounds or something like that. So nice. So when you're walking around, you actually forget that you have to balance. <laughs> it's that nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Just really not. I put a ton of rod holders, all the, the anchors all over. I'm going to add just more and more as I get back into the season here. Is that starting up pretty soon? For us pretty soon. I'm looking around. I still see some snow in the mountains. Given a month, and I think we'll be we'll be right into it. I've heard a few of the lakes around here are just starting to crack and get a few few bit of puddles appearing on them. So that's a good sign. Nice. Who's on your uh, like on your pro staff? Can you talk about a few of those people? Oh wow, we I'm thankful that we have quite a few now, and that's going to be growing a little bit more. It's hard just to single anybody out, really. Um, we have some people on there. Let's say like uh, Stanton Jack. Or, oh yeah, Stanton. Uh, yeah, Brian. Uh, like they're on uh, the Canadian fly fishing team. That are, they're going to Scotland this year. Oh wow. Yeah, they're part of it. Um, I have. I feel bad. I'm trying to remember all the names right now. Yeah, no worries. We can put a link out in the uh, show notes to your. You got a field staff page. So I'll do that. Oh, I could just name a few. I'll name a few just from the top. You got. Uh, you got Russell uh, Cranston. Cranston. Yep. Strun. You got Tyler. Uh, Tyler Ekdahl. So you got Stanton, you got Aggie Fritz. Yeah, a few other ones. Tyler Ekdahl has been a big help uh, with us recently. Uh, him and a few of his friends there too. And yeah, please have a look through the guys on there because if you want to follow some amazing Instagram pages or find some great guides, those guys are just amazing. And they've been such a huge help in the design aspect, the testing aspect, just their general support. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for better people to be on there. Yeah, it's awesome. It looks cool. They all come from different walks of the professional side of the fishing industry. Yeah, be it competition or guides or work in the industry in some facet. Yeah, they, they have a huge wealth of knowledge. Tell me about your other, uh, you got another uh, company more in the gear or conventional space. Talk about what you have going there. So that one I started in 2018. And what happened there was growing up, like I was, of course, all into fly fishing, but I really love steelhead fishing. And I learned early on that, you know, gear can really make the difference if you get one that day or not. You can't just stick to fly fishing. So, I, yeah, I love my gear. And then I realized as I'm looking through a lot of it is, again, well, I could maybe make this. So I uh, got the idea in my head going, well, let's let's try just a small, light version of a, a gear company. And uh, so we named that one Spitfire Fishing Products. Um, I named that after my grandpa. He was a guy from Vancouver very hands-on, very tinkering type of guy that uh, he designed, um, fixed and designed the machine guns for the uh, Spitfire aircraft on the Hurricane for the RAF during World War II. 
So I really wanted to kind of honor him with the name of this guy. So if I'm going to be sitting down and working on something constantly with my hands, I can't think of anyone better to honor than Grandpa. So we named it that, and we started with um, just one lure type. It was, uh, we call it the Supermarine, which we name all of our lures and such after something in the um, in the RAF or part of the World War II, just to give it a nice theme. And uh, it's like a wedding ring spinner. So we tried that. That worked out really well. People really liked that we build it on a shaft, like a metal shaft rather than on the line. And uh, so that went really well. And, and just like we did with the reels, that we try something and if that works, we expand and we expand and we expand. And now we're just launching our spoon, like our, our fishing spoon line that has three sizes meant for freshwater, saltwater, casting spoons. We have jigs, tons of spinners. Yeah, we are, <laughs> our catalog's quite big now. What's the website again? That one's spitfirefishing.com. And the best part of that is it's all made right here in Merritt uh, by my wife. Oh, really? Wow. So you have, and that seems like maybe that would be even harder to produce products because, yeah, I mean, you're talking about spinners and gear, right? I mean, reel's one thing, but um, making sure you get the, you know, it's spinning right and all that stuff, that seems like it'd be a challenge. Well, just all with all the different types of blades and such out there. Yeah, it is kind of a, some things just make sense right off the bat. Some things you have to go out and try and really kind of hone down what you're trying to do there. But like the reels, it was just that thing of you don't know until you try. You know, it was we just wanted to try and like the reels, it worked and it's doing really well. And especially our spoons right now are really, really sought after because they're quite unique in their shape and and things like that. Are the spoons the ones if you go to shop now, they got some lures that look like fish. That's the shape size. Yeah, that's right. They have a a slight fish shape to them. That's the spoons. Yeah, we call them the hawker spoons, the ones that are for trolling. And three sizes, two inch, three inch, four inch, and about 40 colors each one. So quite a bit. I kind of went overboard, but we had so many guys that were asking for them in the Great Lakes area that the color schemes were so different than over here. I decided, well, let's just make as many as we can and see what happened. And it's (laughs) it's doing well. It also helps that we use, instead of paint or things like that, we use these uh, special stickers to make the, the different shapes and the colors. But then we also, uh, I use a UV diamond coat to seal it all on there with moon jelly sticker on the back. So you have glow in the dark, UV, moon jelly. Oh, wow. Great waggle pattern where you can slightly bend them to really give you that herring roll or that wag back and forth so you can kind of tune them a bit. Right. And you guys, so you're making all these. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah, these are awesome looking. And and so between the gear, conventional fishing and still water, are you kind of equal 50-50 on your fishing? I would say that if I'm doing still water, it's going to be about 80% fly fishing, the rest gear. But when I head to the ocean, it's mostly gear there. Yeah. So the spinners and stuff at Spitfire, is that mostly stuff for the ocean or for still water? It's really both because uh, we do different sizes that it could, really could be either or for as much as you want. It's it's very much all over for any type of fishing. Oh, really? Okay. So any type of fishing. So steelhead, trout, I mean, you name it, anything can take those. Uh, yeah, I guess they just look like fish. Uh, absolutely. We've had guys from all over North America uh, letting us know kind of what they work well with. And so far, yeah, they've caught almost every type of fish that I can really imagine. And I'm looking forward to hearing about these things constantly. Today's episode is sponsored by Stonefly Nets, putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. Charleston, South Carolina native Ethan Eigelhart was bitten by the fly fishing bug in 2014 and shortly thereafter started Stonefly Nets. He now lives in the trout-rich waters of the Ozarks and handcrafts some of the sweetest wooden landing nets you'll see. I've been using these stonefly nets for quite a while now, and I'm excited to dig into another year. Ethan builds these nets custom, and you can select from four sizes and many different wood options. For Ethan, fly fishing is a memory created from a morning on a beautiful stretch of water casting a three-weight bamboo rod that his grandmother gave to his father, and then he passed to Ethan. Ethan is helping us create the same types of lasting memories every time we're on the water with these classic custom wood nets. You can head over right now to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly to check out your custom net right now. That's wetflyswing.com slash stonefly, S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to stonefly. 
Okay, back to the show. How are you getting the word out there on whether it's uh, Spitfire or Forge? How are you finding new customers? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm really not very good at the whole social media thing just because I just don't do it as much as, well, as I should really. And that's where, let's say we were talking about the pro staff members and the field staff members, they've done so much work and helped me so much in helping that because they know that, you know, right now it's just my wife and I doing this company. I definitely need that help. And they've really, really done me a favor by helping. Like I said before, I can't say enough good things about all our pro staff members. They've been so supportive, especially with the social media, letting guys know what's going on, how to fish it where to use it they're just as open as i am about if you have questions they'll talk to you as well and uh very very supportive that way too there you go and you have pro staff for the spitfire too we do it's just lightly ramping up i'd say most of the guys that you would talk to for forged if any of them do gear they'll be able to talk to you about that most of them are uh, more fly fishing staff there but we are getting more and more of the Spitfire Pro staff going here. That's, uh, yeah, give it a few weeks. You'll see a lot more on there. Okay. And this is the time of year where you start ramping up. Or I guess what is going on with, the, if you look at the, the still waters kicking off, and is that, are you going to be out there basically what start? I guess it's still March, but April, May, right? It's going to start heating up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's when things are heating up for us. We're already starting to get orders for the stores and like that. And, it's amazing when you're, when you have the business of fishing, you don't get to go out as much as you'd like and definitely not complaining, but you understand. Yeah. So you're sending basically the, the reels, you have some like shop stores, you're selling them locally. We do sell them locally. We sell them really all over uh, Western Canada now, and we're moving East as that goes on the website. It's really nice that way. If you go on the website, you can actually see a retailer's page because I highly recommend people go to the fly shops to try the reels. There's something so much better about going into these fly shops and trying it instead of it just being a picture on your webpage. Um, I mean, I grew up in fly shops and I know that I want them to be around long after I'm gone. So definitely support them as much as you can. Um, <laughs> you'll never find better people or a bigger wealth of information. So yeah, go on in, ask for the reels, try them out there. That's the place to go. And you can see those retailers on our website and see if there's one near you. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Cause you got some, yeah, it looks like Alberta and you're, yeah. And you got a bunch in obviously in, uh, in BC around. Yeah. And do you guys have a lot, quite a few, are there a number of, um, fly shops in kind of up in your area in BC? Or I, I always wonder about that. You guys have a, a, a few fly shops, right? Yes. They range from very small, uh, to getting into the larger stores, but yeah, we have quite a few shops, even in Merritt. We have a couple shops here, um, quite small, but they have a great selection. When you go into the bigger cities, yeah, that's when you start to get more and more. Um, no, British Columbia has just a huge wealth of stores here. And in those stores, yeah, comes all the information you need. And they're very, very supportive. Perfect. Well, let's talk on Stillwater just briefly. Um, so when you get going out there, what's that look like for your season? Do you... Uh... You know, you get fired up, you got your raft. So that, that's pretty cool. Is, and is that uh, something where you, you're kind of, it's inflated on a trailer or on your car and then you're putting it in or how does that look? I have mine on a trailer I built. Um, and I have it so that later if I want to upgrade to that 14 footer, it can fit that. But uh, for me, I tend to get most of my fishing done actually, yeah, right off the bat in the spring and then more in the fall, just because my whole winter, of course, is built up manufacturing spring and summer we're supplying stores and including the fall but i try and make as much time as i can just to be able to get out there and do it the past few years i haven't been able to too much so i'm really pushing myself to be able to do that and my wife's very supportive of that as well mm -hmm. so you're going to get out and do some more fishing this year oh absolutely yeah this year i plan to do a lot more of the river fishing uh i really really miss that from living back on the island oh right yeah you lived on vancouver island that's right. Yeah. Kind of all over the South Island there. A lot of Victoria, Langford, things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. What was that like? Did you have, so you were into doing some steelhead fishing back then? Yeah, definitely made trips every weekend uh, up for steelhead fishing on the couch. And there's some great lakes right around Victoria that I went to. Uh, I worked right near Langford Lake. So that was in the morning, go out there with the belly boat, do a few hours and go to work. It was a great way to start your day. Yeah, definitely into the still waters. And when it, when you can, you get a buddy with a bigger boat and you go out and see where you can get some salmon. But 
Right, right, right. Yeah, because you guys have it all. I mean, that's the, and have the steelhead runs been pretty uh, up and down or pretty good there? What's that look like the last few years? Definitely up and down, um, but sadly, as you hear from everywhere, no, there is a serious decline, and yeah, that's a whole other conversation we could have sometime. It is quite heartbreaking. Right, yeah, you've seen it like everybody. Yeah, it really is heartbreaking to see something. Like I said, when I was a kid, what it was back then, what it is compared to now, it, uh, yeah, it just breaks your heart. And I hope we can... Yeah, I don't know what to say about that nicely, but I hope we can figure out a way uh, that we can all figure that out here. Totally. Have you swung some up or done a lot of swinging or have you just mixed it up on your steelhead? Uh, for me, definitely a lot of swinging. That's my biggest thing. Like um, definitely more spay than anything. It's one of those, I start out spay. If that's not working, then I switch to the gear. Yeah. What do you do? So if you're out there on a run, like what would be a popular steelhead river that everybody knows about that you would fish? Oh, yeah, for me, I don't tend to drive too far, so I'd go up to the Cowichan River, which is only about an hour north of Victoria. Okay, and how do you spell that? Uh, Cowichan, C-O-W-I-C-H-A-N. Gotcha. So you get out there with your, uh, like, what uh, sort of uh, length of spay rod and weight? I typically use a 13-foot, I'm trying to think what I use now. I use a loop, 7-8 weight. Okay, and your spay reel, of course. Yeah, of course. So that I, use that. Um, I have switched more to a, a Scandi setup, which for people who don't know, there's two versions you can use more the Skagit, which is a bit heavier setup to use, or a Scandi setup, uh, which is a little bit lighter, a little bit easier presentation. Uh, I switched over to that just because it looks prettier. So I tend to go that way. And yeah, just swing a whole bunch of different flies, anything from egg sucking leeches to intruder patterns. Golden stone flies are a big favorite of mine. And if, if that's not working, yeah, we switched up to a few things. Um, what would be your first lure you, if you switched up from spay into gear? What would be the first lure you would throw on there? Ooh, that is a good question. That depends a lot on the what the river's looking like. Let's say it's looking kind of uh, like that nice steelhead green. It's got It had, just came off some color and it's like clearing on you, but it looks, still got some color. That's a really good one. I typically would start with an egg pattern. Just kind of, uh, yeah, dead drift and egg pattern down there. And if that doesn't work, uh, do a really simple uh, a Colorado blade spinner out there. Just real simple like that. And you can try those in kind of different color blades as well. And uh, when nothing's working, yeah, going really simple that way is a really easy way to put something. Gotcha. Okay. So that's pretty cool. So you mix it up and, and then in your fishing, you said you're going to hit it spring. When is the best, like Vancouver Island, when would be the best when the steelheads are, when they're running, when would be the best time? You're definitely looking, I'm much more of a, um, a winter steelhead fisherman. And I find for me right around Christmas tends to be kind of my favorite time to go. And I always made a big point of right after Christmas, those few days after boxing day, I'd go really spend a good long weekend of my own making up there because that's kind of my favorite time to go up there christmas time is my favorite time you can go early or later depending but yeah that's to me was always a, a really easy good rule um and i'm sure there's a lot of guys listening and just shouting going like oh this is better but and you're right there's a much larger window but that was always my favorite time to go around yeah christmas that is a good rule yeah so christmas hit it up Perfect. Well, anything else you want to, uh, on your line, you want to give a, uh, a heads up on is from either Forge or, the, uh, you know, a Spitfire? Well, for Forge, you're going to see a lot more different color patterns coming out with our reels. Hopefully, um, some more reels coming in the near future here as well. A couple things like that. I can't give too much away right now, but for Spitfire, you're going to see a lot more new patterns coming out with that and new designs that's one that's blowing up so much that we can't help but just keep on with that flow. And uh, yeah, any questions at all? Because uh, we love taking the questions on there. You can hit us up on Instagram, on Facebook, or the emails that you'll find on the websites. Yeah, any questions at all? You're never bugging me. All right, perfect. Yeah, and you guys are, so your uh, Instagram is probably the best place to go if they want to connect with you? Yeah, that one's going to be the best one there. You're just going to find it under Forge Fly Fishing. Okay, perfect. And uh, and we're actually, actually, when this goes out, the the giveaway will be over. But we did, um, we are in the process uh, of doing a giveaway, and we're going to be giving away a reel along with some other products we have out there, um, which will be cool to get that out there. What um, I'm just kind of looking over some of your Instagram pics. It looks like you got a, a dog. <laughs> you got your uh, 
Hey, what's the dog? Is that a uh, current dog? Is that your dog? That's our current dog. Her name's Riley. She's a golden retriever, border collie cross. Oh wow! Yeah, she's black. She's black, right? Yeah, I know. That's the funny thing. She's if you took it away, her sister, who unfortunately isn't with us anymore, she was all gold and looked more golden retriever. But uh, Riley herself looks a lot more border collie herself, and it's just the greatest dog. And I tell you though, she's hard to take fishing because once she gets there, that run is ruined. <laughs> she just goes. Yeah. So. Does she just start barking or does she actually jump in the water? Not a lot of barking. She just hits that water. She is a water dog. She loves it. Nice. <laughs> cool. Well, tell me about this ranch. I want to hear a little more about this. Is this something where you're you're on there working with your sister, helping out? You got a whole bunch of people. What does that look like? Right now, yeah, it's just a family ranch here. Um, my wife and I have been helping out just a little bit. We're a good third hand. We're not as skilled by any means as the rest around here. But no, we have, yeah, like I said, the Black Angus cattle. Uh, we love times like right now where it's calving season. So uh, you got tons of baby cows running around, and that's a great time of year. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's just fantastic. It's great watching them run around. Right at 5 o'clock mark, they go nuts down there. It's hilarious to watch. Oh, that's right. They're jumping around. So can you go up and, like, uh, grab one, pet it, have you know, hang out with it a little bit? What's that? They kick you or what, what's that look like? Yeah, I definitely don't advise that, but we one thing that uh, my family's been good at here is really almost handpicking the really good cows that there's been times when we're branding the young calves and I'll have mama cow with her head over my shoulder looking at what we're doing. Oh, when you're branding, when you're branding the calves. Yeah, they'll be right in there and they're worried, but they're really, really nice to handle. And uh, I haven't been rolled yet, but... All right, so branding, gosh, so you, you take... So mom's there and you, you brand them when they're young calves still? That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That can't feel good, but it's, uh, you just kind of do it. And then mom understands that. Right. It's one of those horrible necessities that, uh, no, it's, you definitely don't like doing it. Nobody likes doing it, but it's for the cow safety for everybody's, um, especially once they get on, on the range, things like that. If they get lost, the guy that finds them needs to know where they're from. But um, it's over really quick for them. And I can easily say the cows here are just the nicest cows and they're the most well-treated and really give them the best life. Because I'm such an animal person, my whole family, and we're big animal people and we're, we're really giving them the best life ever. And you can really see that uh, when you come visit these cows. Right, exactly. So how old are the cows before when they're ready to go for the meat time? That depends really if they're, producing calves or not i mean it could be early on it could be later uh, the age of them that yeah that's that could be a wide range okay how, how long do cow what's an old cow what would it be an old cow that's been a bit of controversy i've seen them as old as you know 15 oh wow yeah 15 it's almost like a horse yeah definitely consider it that way. don't hold me to that because yeah that's one thing i really have not looked into whatsoever yeah yeah your sister's running the show there yeah exactly and uh, I'm still stuck on just the baby cows. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you think is harder just for the outside? Is it harder to make a living selling reels and fishing gear or running a cattle ranch? Cattle ranch by far. Oh, it is. Oh my goodness. It is. Oh, where do I even, how much time you got? Yeah, no, it is. Right. <laughs> I don't envy my sister and uh, my brother-in-law here by any means because it is a 24 hour job. They're working all day long. They probably have a pretty amazing, well, 300 acres. That's nothing to scoff at, right? That's pretty amazing. That's right. They've got a great handle on it, but it is, uh, it never, there's always something to do. And when that stops, a cow will break a fence and, you know, and it just pull over and there's a lot of ups, a lot of downs. It's an incredible busy life, but it's an incredible life. So I'm really happy for that. Was your sister, where did she get the, that skill? Did you have it in your family or where did she become, you know, become a farmer? It was my brother-in-law that when she married him, his family comes from a long line of ranchers and organ horse breeders, cattle, things like that. So yeah, definitely a cowboy family. Right. There you go. Wow. Okay. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. It sounds like you guys, that's the nice thing about, right. Living up there is that there's, well, merit in some of those places, there's some people, but you don't have to go far to get out, right? Get where you're not seeing a lot of people. Is that kind of how you see it out there? That's exactly right. Yeah. Like I said, you point in any direction, give it 10 minutes, you'll hit a very fishable body water. Right, right, right. Good stuff. Cool. And you're excited. Uh, and like we said, I mean, it's almost game time as things get going here. What's, uh, 
What, what is your fly when you're on the still water, you're in your boat? What is the, you got a couple rods there. What do you got, you know, what fly do you have ready to go? Are you more of like a Phil Roy with the indicator stuff or what do you do there? I'm actually more just getting into that style. I'm very, very much a, uh, a leech pattern, a micro leech pattern, definitely stuff that you strip so that things are constantly moving. I like to be doing something when I'm out there. Um, that's just my style. It definitely doesn't produce as much as say uh, when Phil rallies out there, but um, just what I'm comfortable with. And I feel like I'm gotten really good at that. Uh, so if we're looking at my fly box, yeah, you're looking at a lot of leech patterns, a lot of, uh, a lot of scud patterns, a lot of the blob patterns, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll catch a lot of flack for that. Yeah. The blobs and the boobies and all that stuff. Okay. Times are slow. You got to bust them out sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things like that. A lot of flies that are moving. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. A lot of action. So you like more of the, not really the match in the hatch as much as like just getting their attention and, and have them just strike it out of whatever aggression. That's right. It depends who I'm fishing. If I'm fishing with someone who is doing the more indicator, I'll kind of bow to that because I know that they're going to do better than me. So, and we might as well do that together. But if I'm by myself, yeah, it is definitely a little bit more searching pattern, patterns that move, things like that. I've just, that's my comfort zone. <laughs> I don't mind doing it. Perfect. How does, uh, so in looking out 2023, the rest of this year, how does that look for you? Are you going to be like doing more of the same with the the reels and everything? Or it sounds like the colors, that's one big thing. What you want to give a shout out to something, you know, new you have coming here? Oh, that's a good one. Um, the new big thing that's coming out is our big line of the center pins that come out in a variety of colors. Right. So center pins. So this is interesting because this is like, it looks like a fly reel, but it's not, right? It's a very, very old school way of fishing. And it basically, it's, it's like a fly reel that moves very freely without any drag. So that it's, uh, you're using gear when you're using it. It's almost that kind of weird crossover. It's uh Oh, right. You're using like jigs and bobbers and stuff like that? Jigs, bobbers. Yeah, things like that. You can get into all the others, but there's so many different styles of casting. And if you want to look at them on YouTube, you're going to look and go, wow, that's super weird. Uh, but I've tried it on the Vetter River and it's so much fun. Because without that drag on there, it really is a fight between the fish and you. And you have to use a lot more skill to get that fish in at a lot better time. The cool thing about it is, is that you can cover long runs, you're in the slot and just like, you know, that's the problem with flies, right? It's hard to dead drift stuff way out there. But so what happens when a fish hits? Well, that's exactly, and you kind of touched on it there just a second, if I can go back to that, just the whole reason why it's so popular is you can't get that sort of good dead drift, that kind of natural dead drift with any other type of fishing I've found. That one is the most natural and you can do really super long runs and uh, you have a really good amount of control using that center pin for that. So that's a huge plus right there. But then the fish hits. And then you, if you've never done it before, you realize very quick, I'm in trouble and this is very different. Because for really, the palm of your hand becomes that drag. Oh, so it's just free spooling. So you're just controlling it. It's If you let go, it's just going to spin out of control. Exactly. So you're using the palm of your hand. Uh, I've seen guys just using uh, the pinky finger that they're uh, they're holding the rod with like different things just to manipulate the reel uh, for me i definitely use the palm of my hand and uh, try not to break my fingers once the fish took off and it started spinning hard out of there but uh right oh it's wow. unreal it is so much fun if you've never tried it i highly recommend trying it go with someone who knows what they're doing there have them show you and uh it'll open you up to just a whole new set of rods you have to buy let's put it that way yeah yeah. And those are big, right? Those are big, long, kind of almost like spade rods, right? Exactly. I think I use a 12 footer. Yeah. 12 footer. God, it looks like fun. You know, I've seen, I went last time we were down there, it's been a while, but I remember seeing the guys up like on the Skeena, right? There were some guys, some, some of the local guys out there hitting the Babine. And, uh, so I guess it's maybe more popular in up in your neck of the woods than it is down across the border. I don't know. I don't see it as much out here for some reason, you know, I don't know why that is. Well, where I find it's most popular, yeah, up here in BC, over in the Great Lakes area, and just down into the States from there. Those seem to be the the places where I found it's biggest. And uh, it might just be the amount of river systems that are there, things like that. But that's definitely the key areas I found. There you go. Perfect. Nice, Richard. Well, I think, uh, I mean, this has given us a little heads up on what you have going. It sounds like you got a lot going. I mean, just in the, uh, you know, the reels and the gear 
that's never, uh, it sounds like that's a, you know, a lot to do there, but, um, but this sounds interesting. We'll, we'll definitely keep in touch with you here. And like we said, uh, forgedflyfishing.com is where we'll send everybody out to to take a look. You bet. And yeah, if you want to try these reels, please stop in at your fly shops and things like that. Just see if you can get it in your hand, talk to them about it, and go visit them there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have, give us, as we take it out of here, do you have um, any big bucket list trips you would love to put together that you haven't done yet? Like one big trip you've been thinking about? Oh, that's just one. How do I, how do I narrow that down? Yeah. If I, I'm going to break that up into a couple smaller ones, if I can, um, back to Terrace because that was unreal back up to, Oh, so you did the Skeena. You've done the Skeena thing. I did the, uh, the Kitimat and that was unreal. I loved that. Um, back up to Alaska. We're in Alaska. Oh, the, just South of Anchorage there. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Kenai. Yeah, the Kenai, we did that. That was uh, that was already my trip of lifetime, but I want to see if I can get another. For what what species? Chinook? Um, again, actually, monster rainbow trout. The Chinook, were, couldn't target them at the time. The salmon were in there, but just the size. You want to talk about 10-pound rainbows. And uh, if I can get over to areas like Powell River and stuff there, which might happen soon, those, uh, yeah, that's my that's my very short bucket list. You have to get time to figure out a long one because... Uh, yeah, how much time do you have again? <laughs> right, 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 right. And what was your, again, what was your one, you're going still water, you're heading out there first day on the water. What's your one fly you're going to have out there? My one fly, I'm going to say a ruby-eyed leech. A ruby-eyed leech, all right, perfect. Like a balanced leech or no? Uh, not yet. I'm going to go with one that I'm flipping. Okay. And we got, we know we got Phil, we got Phil Roy, Brian Chan, you know, some of these guys up there. Who else? Are there any other guys up there that are kind of, uh, you know, doing that sort of education stuff? It seems like I haven't heard of too many other people. I mean, I guess there, I know like Stanton Jack maybe is one of them, right? Are there some other people out there doing that? Stanton Jack is definitely one of them. Um, and getting back yeah, to those pro side members, any one of those guys, yeah, if they're up in the region here, they're a huge wealth of knowledge and they're, uh, they're celebrities in their own rights because they're just, they're amazing rods, those guys. Locally, I know we have a really amazing fly tire here in Merritt, uh, John Kent. He's got some amazing... He uh, designed the pumpkin head leech, if that helps. Oh, okay. John Kent. Yeah, we have... And that's the thing is we have so many characters in town here that uh, go way back in the fly fishing. But... And this is... And you're talking Merritt? That's right. Yeah, right here in Merritt. Yeah. What's Merritt like? What type of a town is Merritt? Merritt's a fantastic place that... There's not a terrible amount of people. Uh, it's typically a town that people are passing through, going around, but it's very much a, definitely a ranch land sort of community. And one thing we found here is uh, really, really great people. Definitely sort of that small town mentality where everybody knows each other and uh, get along great. Yeah, we've really, really loved living in Merritt here for that reason. And especially in the whole ranching community as well. And you meet those people, yeah, you'll, You'll want to know them the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Merritt's kind of on your, it's just, it's right there along the main. Well, I guess there's a few different ways, but on your way up to Kamloops, right? That's right. It's small town, but we have a Walmart. So. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. You got Walmart (laughs) and you're about, what are you, a few hours from Vancouver? That's right. Yeah. We just, uh, just came back today. That took maybe, maybe three hours to get to the ferries in Vancouver. Right. There you go. Perfect. All right, Richard. Well, I, I think I'll leave it there. We'll send over, like I said, Forge Fly Fishing to check in with you or on Instagram. And just want to, yeah, just want to thank you for coming on here and shedding some light on your uh, your reels. I'm excited to uh, hopefully get one of those out in the water and, and uh, test it out someday. So we'll keep in touch with you here and uh, send some people your way. I look forward to that too. Thank you so much. And yeah, everybody out there, any questions, send them my way. I look forward to it. There it is. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash 459 right now. That's 459 to check out some of these reels that uh, Richard talked about uh, and any of the other show notes links that we talked about today. You can also get a link out to uh, our listener Q&A segment we have going on right now. Um, That's at wetflyswing.com slash QA. The letter Q and the letter A will get you there. And you can also just head over to Instagram and we're going to be having posts every week where you can enter uh, your question and we're going to read it on the podcast. If we read your question, you will win a free wet fly swing t-shirt or other comparable 
swag item. We're going to be adding this stuff as we go. So if you have any thoughts on that, reply back anytime to me. Let me know. Let's do a quick listener shout out before we get out of here today. Mark Woodward. All right. Mark Woodward said, uh, Dave, I love your podcast. I just listened to the Bus Van Dam episode. It was very good. You requested people from Europe to reach out. So I'm doing just that. I can give you some background. I'm originally from Ohio, but I have lived in Montana, Mexico, the Czech Republic, and the Netherlands. I also spent 20 years in Hollywood working as a cameraman. I love hunting, fishing, and backpacking. I tie my own flies and also bow hunt mostly now. I have fished a lot of Northern California and Oregon while I lived in SoCal. My BFF lives in Portland, and we have been fishing extensively for the last 30 years. Keep up the great show, Mark Woodward. Amazing, Mark. Uh, This is definitely... Uh, going to be one of the best uh, reads I've had on here. I appreciate you coming from across the pond. Always love to uh, get that perspective. And we are going to be doing more stuff in Europe this year. If you're listening right now and you're in Europe and you want to hear some more episodes, you can reach out to me, Dave, at wetflyswing.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you haven't reached out to me, this is the chance. Uh, no matter, uh, you know, I don't care where you are in the world. Uh, we're putting it together. So if you are in the, the deepest uh, recessions of of uh, you name the country, you know, South America, uh, Europe, uh, Southeast Asia. That would be a good one. I'd love to put together something there. Um, Australia, if you're any in anywhere around the world and you haven't talked to me, give it a shot right now. And you could be uh, just like Mark Woodward here who reached back. And, uh, and we're going to be keeping in touch with Mark as well as we go forward. All right, let's take a quick peek and see where we're at, where we're at right now, where we're headed uh, next. And uh, right now we have, I'm just going to announce one thing because tomorrow it doesn't get any bigger than this. Um, I always love to see a Great Lakes Dude podcast in the lineup. And tomorrow we're going to, we're going to surprise you uh, with a, uh, this is number three. This is where Jeff is going to be digging back into the ever popular steelhead step-by-step. I know the first one he did um, was awesome. We got a lot of feedback on that. So if you want to uh, check that out tomorrow, tomorrow, and if it's in the future, you can just the magic of uh, of the internet, you can just let this thing play out as I quit talking here and, and uh, jibber-jabbering and let that music fade away. And as soon as it stops, I believe if your app is, is solid, it's going to play the next episode. And uh, if it's in the future... That's going to be episode 460. If you're listening live right now, then uh, then you're going to have to wait one day. And we, we let these things go live early in the morning. So if you get up really early, you can listen to that one tomorrow. All right. Well, like always, or not like always, but like a lot of the time, um, it's getting late. And I would love to catch up with you uh, online or on the water. We've got some big trips coming this year, including the Skeena Space School, um, we are going to be heading traveling around North America and, and I'd love to catch you on the water. If you get a chance, uh, let me know. Like I said, it is late, 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 late. I hope you are having a great evening, a great morning or a great afternoon, wherever you're in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping by today and checking out the show. Thanks for listening to the wet fly swing fly fishing show for notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.